What's the hardest part of a vegetable to eat? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. The wheelchair. It's 37 podcast time. Cause it's Friday and you're at home. It's 37 podcast time. Cause you're masturbating alone. It's 37 podcast time. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, I'm horribly depressed. Really? What's 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 eating you? This whole budget crisis. Oh, the debt ceiling. Uh, uh what's uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I don't. I feel like I don't know a ton about this, but I know it pisses me off, and I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of society or America right now, like that's what makes us so pissed about it all is that there's these certain things we hire politicians to do that we don't really understand. Like this is their, their specialty and, or not that we don't understand, but we just don't want to get all the way into, you know, I don't need to know how everybody does their entire job. I don't really understand this part and they don't seem to be doing their job. Yeah. What use is like Harvard and Yale and Princeton if we're not creating people who can deal with this for us? I would, I would like to think that. Yeah. I don't really understand a lot of it either. I'm, you know, go out there with you and say that. But the little bit I do sort of get, it Mm -hmm. seems like it breaks down into two pretty distinct groups Mm -hmm. in that you have one side that says, look, we're all in this society and there's certain things that maybe the government could help us out with like, oh, I don't know, health care possibly, which we've seen how that went down. Yeah. Education, roads. Think, things that better our society. Retirement, the military, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Arts programs. Oh, I don't know, maybe mental health programs. Those are all things that in theory make us a, a, a little bit better as a people. Yeah. And then there's the other side that says, I worked really hard and I want to keep my money. Yeah. I understand both arguments. But I think one of the great and very adult ways of approaching this is like maybe there's a middle ground in there where you don't get everything that both sides want, but you find a middle place, right? I think they're compromise, right? Isn't that that word? Yes. Yeah. I've heard that before. Not on any of these news reports about what's been going on in Washington, but I have heard that word before. You know, the weird thing is I I heard somebody say made some statement and, you know, they're making all these – everybody's got their own little – what fun way of saying it political wise in the media right now. But somebody was talking about how compromise has become like a bad word. And it's true where it's like people look at it as being weakness. You know, it's like compromise means that you gave it up and it's like, well, yes, but that's the inevitable that that's how this works. You know I mean? Like that's part of this entire process of our country. The but- rhetoric that's been coming out of Washington has just been pretty amazing. It's almost like this like deer hunter esque, hostage situation where gun to my head and yeah dragging kicking and screaming like yeah. these are actually these are grown men like yeah. successful powerful men and women saying these yeah. sort of things it's the pretty bloody amazing. the bloody rape of my debt plan i believe exactly. i heard exactly i think it was biden said that but so you've got these two viewpoints and that's sort of a something that's been around forever and and, and probably will continue to be around for a long time is just Differing opinions on how the government should be approached and how the government should treat our money. Because remember, it's our money. That's the other thing, too, that I think is really important here is that the government is supposed to spend money on us. I mean, we're paying them 
they give us something back. Yeah, I agree. They think for stuff that we don't have to, like you started out this whole conversation with. Yeah. That's their role. So you get to this place where we are in this huge debt right now for various reasons. I don't know, multiple wars and, you know, tax cuts for the wealthy and corporate tax loopholes, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, we're in a real negative balance. Yeah. So what does a normal human being do when they have a negative balance? If I'm broke, I approach that as being, okay, I don't want to go any farther in debt. So I kind of understand the concept of the debt ceiling there. But what I also do is I'll say, I'm going to cut down on spending. So I'm going to go out to dinner less or maybe not at all. And at the same time, I'm going to raise revenue. So I'm going to get a second job. That's how the average responsible human being gets out of debt. See, I just call my dad. That works too. Which in this case would be what? China? Papa China? But in this situation, it seems like in this debt agreement that we've come to, Uh we've cut spending, but we haven't raised revenue. Doesn't really seem fair necessarily that one side gets to keep their monies and then the other side... Doesn't get to gain money. Yeah. Well, it, it, this probably is right where that word compromise comes in. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a linguist, but I, I would say that this would be a, a proper deep insertion of the word compromise. Well, it seems like right now that wealthy America is deep insertioning themselves into the other 90% of the country who is actually just working. This is true. This we is need very to, true. We're going to need to have – they better pray for an amazing NASCAR season. They really should get some revenues. This is that's funny you bring that up, NASCAR, because this is something I really want to be talking about, and it's it's on par with being as important as the debt ceiling. But I wanted to talk to you about sleeveless shirts on men. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to get I don't want to get too serious about this. You know, suns I mean? out, and guns out, bring it down. I, I've realized there's been a lot of sleeveless shirts around me recently, and I'm not necessarily okay with it. You know, you and can I'm, just talk to me directly. You I don't have to. You have to beat around the bush. Tobin, you're wearing too many sleeveless shirts to work. I look I guess great. That's I mean, I'm not going to argue that, but at the same time, there's just a, a, a lot of skin. It touches other people a lot. I don't know that it's always work appropriate. But seriously, like I, I was thinking about this. When is it ever appropriate, if you're not in Europe, to wear a sleeveless shirt being a man in the United States? Ooh, uh, New York subway in August. Okay, exactly. This is, this is where I'm going with this, actually, because I'm thinking like beach. NASCAR. NASCAR. Um, fishing fishing yeah good call admit that might be it honestly that might sitting that, on a cooler anytime you're sitting sitting on, a, on cooler, a cooler which really should only happen in those three events so i think we covered that um my roommate tim does have a lot of sleeveless shirts oh he does oh painting oh, the fence painting the fence there you go but this goes into it he wears them around the house only okay. so painting the fence i think of that as being a home you know you're you're staining the deck you're doing something like that, that you're at the house, you're working on the house. Maybe he doesn't want to get his sleeves wet when he washes all the dishes. This is true. This is true. I bring this up because I had an incident the other day that I, I found very inappropriate. And I was on a plane. Who to thunk? I'm coming back from Texas. And there's a sleeveless man sits next to me on a Southwest flight. Ooh, sexy. Now, there was so much arm touching that I was absolutely not okay with. And the plane is just stinking hot because we're sitting on the runway in Austin and it's like a thousand degrees outside. And so we're all sweating and I just got this guy's arm sweat just imprinted on my shirt. And all I could think is like, you know, it's one thing if you sweat. It's one thing if you're in a public place, we're jammed in a plane, we get it, we all sweat. You should never be in a position where your sweat can get on another person. If you're sweating and you're close to another person, 
Yes, that's the annoying thing about flying or being on a subway or something like that. But when my sweat is directly coming off of my skin onto you, onto your shirt, you know, like I have someone else's stink on my shirt. That's not – I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that at all. The other thing that's great about this is that Southwest kicks off the cute 19-year-old girl for wearing short skirt. Yeah. But then the guy with the cut-off sleeves sweating all over you gets yeah. to just sit there and sweat. Like smell, sh- smells like he just killed a raccoon. The there should be more compromise in that situation. Compromise. We, yes. We need to keep the girl on there. Yeah, there needs to be a bigger vote as far as who gets kicked off the Southwest plane. Well, there's such a democratic thing about it anyway, or, or societal, you know, we're all going to run on this plane, we're all going to be together in this one. I think we absolutely should be able to vote, like, one or two people off, and maybe one or two people on. You yeah. know, like we can go out, we can, we get the option to pick people from the later flight and say, you know what? You're bumped up. You're that, coming on. That is a great call. That would be the funnest game ever to play because there's always smoking hot girls in the airport. Yeah. And absolutely. so you could, you would, as part of your check-in, yeah, you would get like a, a vote. Yes. And you could go along and as you're going through the airport and, and going about your business, if you see something that you, you, you're excited about, something you might want to take to Austin with you. Or yes. Something, oh, I don't know, you might want to take to just to Phoenix. Yeah. You can you can vote them on your plane. Some sort of meal for the flight. Yeah. The um, yeah. Wait, I, I'm talking about bringing hot girls on vacation with me and you're talking about food. No, no, no. I was referring to her as a meal. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Oh, we're still doing that. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, sustenance, you know? Peaches. Soft Georgia peaches. But anyway, it also was a classic example of my, my Southwest Seat strategy. Plan. Yeah, my, my strategy backfiring on You've me. talked about this a lot. I, I I appreciate it. You probably ought to think about starting a blog. Uh, yeah, just for Southwest flights. Yeah. And and larger men. And this is the thing is, well, wait, larger men on Southwest flights. That would be two different things. It would be like a gentleman's traveler. Yes, yes. The regular size gentleman traveler. The um, I think uh, – Big I, and tall traveling. Did I, I don't know if I brought this up earlier on a podcast or not, but my, my whole strategy of – what I do is I'm, I'm a big guy and so I get on the plane and if I know there's going to be a couple open seats on the flight, I will find the second largest guy or if there's one larger than me on the plane. And if he's in the window, I'll take the aisle. If he's in the aisle, I'll take the window, leaving a seat in between us. But it's the gold seat because you know you have the two largest people on the plane are in the same row. So that's the absolute last seat that's going to be taken. And it works, I want to say, 98% of the time. It's backfired on me twice. And one of them happened to be the sleeveless man in Austin, which is like a double backfire. Like it almost makes me question the entire thing. I've known skinny little girls who have had almost like the exact opposite and arguably more foolproof approach than this. Really? These girls will get on the plane and they'll look for a middle seat on purpose surrounded by two skinnies Mm. because they figure if I can lock it in there, if I can lock it in, even if it's a middle seat, I'm... Not going to get stuck with some guy's arm sweat. Yeah. They're avoiding the gold seat, which is what I create. So, yeah. No, I, I get it. I mean, that's that actually plays into my plan. You There's know? almost like a symbiotic relationship here between the gold seat and the skinny little girl. There is. But the odd part is that you rarely ever get that. I've never, you know, both times that the gold seat's been taken up, it has not been by a skinny little girl, unfortunately. So speaking of skinny little girls and, and things of this nature, I found myself last night for the second season in a row watching the finale of The Bachelorette. Oh, God. Now, given I've never actually seen an episode of the show other than the finale episodes, which I think I it gives me an almost weirder taste of this whole thing because it's more set up than usual is what I gathered. And it's only 
there's only three people in the episode. It's like two guys and the girl and she picks. And so, the host. Yeah, and the host, who's just awkward and it doesn't feel like he should be there at all. And it's amazing to me. They fly him in. They're in Fiji, first of all. I don't know why. And it was clearly a thousand degrees because the guy was like sweating profusely. But they fly him in on a on a plane and then the, the one guy gets shot down. So they take him out on a little boat. And there's all these amazing jib shots at sunset. And like as he's being whisked away from the island in a boat, it's like it crosses her path and it rack focuses to her watching him, you know, in the distance. And it's just so unbelievably set up to the point where I'm going, this must have taken like 30 takes to get this right. You know, I mean, this was like a whole day of shooting just for this one little like this guy's entrance and exit. On that note, actually, a friend of a friend apparently works for The Bachelorette and she's been posting pictures of like behind the scenes pictures of this season, I'm assuming it is. Uh-huh. And the amount of crew and logistics that are involved with what you're talking about, I've literally seen the amount of people and coordinated walkie-talkieism that's going into this. And it's so ridiculous that anybody would approach the show and think that it's anything but. There's like a 60-foot jib on them at all times. I mean, like 10 times throughout the episode, the camera whisked up 100 feet in the air just out of nowhere. And you were like, there's no way that's not a completely choreographed shot. But it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. I think the best part of the show and the only part that really didn't feel very choreographed to me was the guy who got kicked off or the guy who, you know, the loser, the loser. Yeah. First loser, the total loser. Um, it was his reaction because he, I think he legitimately thought he was going to get married that night or propose or whatever, be engaged. And she shot him down and he did not react like all, Oh, it's okay, baby. Oh, whatever. You know? And like, take it all gracefully. He was like, screw you. I'm out. And he was like, peace. I'm out of here. And she was all, you know, wait, but wait, you know, I, I really do wait have for feelings what? for you. Wait for what? Exactly. And he was just like, no, he's like, things are, things end. He's like, this is over. He's like, this sucks. And, and it was awesome because he almost quoted one of my favorite quotes ever, which is Tom Cruise from the movie Cocktail. Oh, I thought you were going to say Cruise from Top Gun. Well, there's, there's about five of them there that they're all top fives. They're all Tom Cruise, of course, from different films. And, uh, but what he says is, Everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. Oh, it's so deep. It's, it's very deep and very true, like most of the of the dialogue in the movie Cocktail. But anyway, he almost quoted that word for word, and I flipped out a little bit. It was uh, breathtaking how stupid that show was and how fake the whole thing was and how many women and like society in general in the last 24 hours were apparently watching that and hanging on every moment and like really enjoying it. Can I ask you a serious question about your experience with The Bachelorette last night? I, I would love you to. Were either of the men or The Bachelorette, were they Latino? No. Very, very white. Although... Were they black? No. Very, very white. Were they Jewish? No. Very, very white. Were they of any ethnicity other than Caucasian? Well, The Bachelorette is a hip-hop dance teacher, but she is very, very white. That is so appropriate. It's 37 podcast time Cause it's Friday and you're at home It's 37 podcast time Cause you're masturbating alone It's 37 podcast time Cause the children have all gone to bed It's 37 podcast time Let those boys get inside your 